Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome back to our Mandalorian recaps. We are here, season two, chapter nine. Chapter nine. Chapter nine, The Marshal. Now, The Marshal was written and directed by Jon Favreau and aired today, October 30th. 2020. We're here. We finally made it to season two. New Star Wars. We're back in Star Wars season. Can you believe it? I honestly can't. No, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really special episode for us, too. I feel like this is actually the second time we've got to watch new Star Wars TV together this year. That's kind of crazy. I know. All things considered. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So in the beginning of the year, we got to watch. We were in Seattle for a weekend before the pandemic. Um, Actually, the pandemic was that weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we left Seattle um, because of that. But we got to watch The Clone Wars together. And then um, now I am in Georgia for a couple weeks. And I've been isolating with my parents. And Caitlin has been isolating. So we decided to join each other's pandemic bubble. And <laughs> I know, it's so sad. And watch The Mandalorian together. And it's been great. We got up super early. And we have like these huge Baby Yoda Squishmallows. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the Baby Yoda Squishmallows that have like taken the internet by storm. (laughs) They're from Costco, Well, you can get the huge ones at Costco and you can get the medium ones at Walgreens and then the super small ones on Amazon. They're hard to find now, but if you can find a giant Baby Yoda Squishmallow, like you need it. Yeah, it's true. I just – it – has changed my life <laughs> in a matter of 24 hours that I've had it with me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you should get one. Yeah. <laughs> if you can. But yeah, uh, like Charlotte said, we got to watch this episode of Mandalorian together, which is really fun. Um, it's been a while since, like, we, like, it's weird, but like with TV, we don't get to watch it together. I know. And it's so, so weird. yeah, so it's nice. And we were like pausing it during. We had our coffee. Yeah, it was the whole the whole shebang. It also, this really is fun. like uh, vintage Sky Talkers of us. Like re- we never record together. We're never in yeah. the same place, and we usually have a different mic. So if the audio sounds a little different if, to like a trained ear, you might know that like the audio sounds quite different because we're yeah. we're sitting together and. Um, in our podcasting spaces, like we have our, a different mic situation, so we're like using our older mic. It's just. It's vintage. It's, it's just Sky Talkers on the move. Right. It's right. like because we didn't go to any conventions, like this is what you would be getting if we were at, we a, were at a convention. <laughs> anyway, if you this is your first time listening, welcome to Sky Talkers. Yeah. We do weekly recaps of Star Wars TV. Um, and we also have three-part episodes. This episode, we when we do a Mandalorian recap, we like to not do three uh three parters we like to just kind of lay it all out there react and kind of talk about just like the aspects that really stood out to us and like we don't really approach it from a single theme like we do with our other episodes so Mm -hmm. if this is your first time listening and you're like i want to listen to their other episodes they sound a little different because they're in a three part and this one is not it's we we like to do like one single take (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we tried this out last year because we couldn't think of a good way to divide out the mandalorian episodes because before with our tv episodes we would divide it out by like two highs and a low characters and plot or like characters plot and free for all or q a and we wanted to try something different when we started the mandalorian last year and so that's when we just decided to just kind of like brain dump <laughs> yeah. into uh, the podcast. <laughs> it's helpful for us, honestly. Yeah, so it's it's fun to just kind of go for it. And we haven't even – we don't even have like a ton of show notes for this episode. We're just kind of going to like, ooh, go for it. Yeah, and we've only watched it one time. Yeah, we have. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's start from the very beginning. What do we think of the Marshall? You know, we're back on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> when we saw the description pop up, we were like, oh, my God. Chapter nine, and then it was like, oh, it takes him to the outer rim, and we were like, Tatooine, we're going back, back to, to Tatooine. Tatooine. <laughs> and I'm sure this is definitely not a unique reaction. I'm sure everyone, like, yeah, not everyone, but a lot of people were like, okay, it's original. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. That being said, out of the last three times that we've been to Tatooine in the past twelve months, this has been my favorite trip yeah. <laughs> so far. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, it was. It was just kind of funny. It was like, oh, we're going back to 
Tumine again. But I got to say, I liked the Marshall a lot. I feel like I'm really glad we kept with the chapters and like we went chapter nine, the Marshall. I'm liking the, you know, the one word kind of thing that we're doing. Um, And I thought this episode leaned so heavily into like storybook dialogue, the, the tropes that were happening. Like it really... I feel like we were talking about afterwards, like even more so than anything we saw in season one, uh, this, this episode was like, you are in a storybook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I enjoyed that. Yeah. I think that it, there's a lot of things that Keela and I were pausing. We were like, oh my gosh, did you notice that? What did you think about that? That Mm -hmm. was super Cambellian. That was super fairy tale. That was very Western and all these things kind of rolled together is just what Star Wars is. So it did kind of feel very Star Wars to me. And I agree with you that it felt the most fresh. And I think that had to do with the fact that we weren't in like Moss Espa or Moss Eisley um, in terms of like returning to Tatooine. And it definitely did. I was really happy to see that it like picked up on things that I really liked about Dave Filoni's episode in season one where we did return to Tatooine. And I think we finally got some answers from that episode and that was exciting. But also we, you know, I, I think that it was, it's really cool that, that Din can communicate with, the Tuscan Raiders and they can form a, a bond, a bridge, that language is the missing piece here. And I think that it was great that we that it was brought around again. And even with the introduction of Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's character, you could see it even being like, he he was like, uh, what what is this? I don't want to even associate with these people. So I think that was really good. And um I was really happy to see that come back around. Yeah, I was too. I think that was something a lot of people were really excited about last season, last year. So it was really great that they kind of went, uh, even pushed it even further or included it even more. Like that was, that was just like an aspect of the last episode versus here. It really was a big part of the plot. Uh, So I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that the opening of this episode was really great. I le- okay, first let's talk about the prologue because mm-hmm. the prologue was very interesting. I was so surprised that we started there. Yeah, it was a long <laughs> prologue too. Um, it was pretty long, I thought. Um, it kind of felt like the sizzle reel that they let out a couple weeks, month ago. Who's to say with the time? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, what I thought was interesting though is that they did have a line in there from Ming Na Wen, which they didn't have in any of the sizzle reels. Right. So I know that was a big conversation last season of did they really kill her? Is she not coming back? Who was that at the end of the episode? And I think that they put her line in here. Yeah. So I, I think she's coming back. Me too. That was kind of my first thought. And then opening up, um, were we still on? We were on a different planet. Yeah. Uh, then to see the big fight between the Gamorrean guards species um, the Gamorreans. Gamorreans. <laughs> Comma, the Gamorreans. Uh, and that whole exchange I thought was really fun. What's funny about that exchange is, right, you have the guy who the Mandalorian is asking uh, for information about other Mandalorians. And Charlotte and I recently uh, played Among Us for the first time, mm. which is really fun. And when uh, the informant shot the other Gamorrean, he did a self-report. If, you, <laughs> if you've played Among Us, you'll be like, wow, a self-report. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I don't think we'll be going back to that planet, honestly. But it was a really cool design. And yeah. the graffiti was great. And I could have sworn I saw C-3PO in the graffiti. I, you saw a protocol droid. Yeah. But I want it to be C-3PO. Yeah. We were talking about how uh, that's really cool. Because you just know that a lot of the designs in that graffiti came from Rebels concept art and uh, stuff that was probably already in Rebels because that's I think that's the only other place we've seen graffiti and that was a big part of of Sabine's character obviously if you've watched Rebels so it was cool to see that and that that whole sequence when he strings him up and he's like I promise you that I will not kill you and then those dogs like descend oh my god yeah that was we were like whoa (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's just interesting because I feel like I'm. I said this before about how I was surprised that we started there, but every time I watch a new Star Wars and I try to like guess what plot points happen when and you know all these type of things, I I feel like I really thought that was going to be like Episode Three. Yeah, but no, <laughs> we started here. I know Charles always like I'm surprised we started here, and it's like 
I should stop being surprised. We're all surprised about, about just like everything. where we end up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was, all, it was also a really long episode. This yeah. is the longest episode. I, I don't know about that to be positive. I think like, it is. I think it is. 52 minutes sounds really long mm-hmm. compared to like some of them. I remember there's one that's like so 20, short. 26, 26 minutes. I think it's episode two. Who could forget that? We were like, <laughs> yeah, because we went from like, I think like 38 minutes yeah. for episode one last season and then we end up at 26 minutes the yeah. next week and we were like <laughs> what <laughs> yeah and I I feel like I don't know if we're gonna be in this trend of like 52 minute episodes or something like that I think that we shouldn't expect that but no, not, not like to. not at all but I think it's it's just interesting how Mandalorian continues to show us that like all their episodes can be different lengths just yeah. as long as it fits the story and I actually think that's one of those awesome things about being on a streaming platform is you don't have to condense a script to a certain number of pages with the certain amount of people speaking and therefore this amount of length because you have to account for commercials or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the 40 minute length. I feel like with The Mandalorian, it's like economy and storytelling, which is really important and really cool to see. Also, it was nice to see John Favreau finally direct an episode. Um, I don't know if like there was anything super notable to me about his direction, but I'm sure it was like a moment of pride for him to like finally direct in it. I know that mm-hmm. he's on set all the time and you know, he's, he's the man, but like, yeah, I, I think that there was a lot of moments of um, like action that I feel like were particularly John Favreau esque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this episode on a whole, it felt I say basic and I don't mean that in a negative way because the way that, you know, we get the information from the informant, we go to the new planet, we meet someone we already know, then we go back uh, or we go to the new town. It's extreme. And like really from there on out, it follows all of these beats that I think you would expect. It kind of reminds me of the Sorghum episode Mm -hmm. um, last season of like – knowing that they're going to like all come together and car is gonna help them train and then they're gonna face off against the bad guys and like the small town is gonna win and Mm -hmm. um i think we've all seen that story before and i think this followed a very similar path of okay we're gonna bring these um you know these two people these two groups of people that don't get along the tuscans and the people in this town and they're at odds and they're enemies, but they're, you know, they're going to come together to fight the beast that's attacking both of them. And, and even, uh, you know, Timothy's character is saying stuff like, uh, you know, next they're going to come for the school. You know, it was, it was very like you could track with what was going to happen next, I think. And I think that really, like I said, really leaned into that like storybook feel of it mm-hmm. and, kind of like pulling you back into this world of where we were going to go with something that a story that I think is pretty similar to season one, but kind of took it like, like I said, I feel like it's kind of pulling us back into this Mandalorian world in a good way. Like we're transitioning. You described this earlier when we were talking about like Tatooine almost being representative of the special world, like in the hero's journey. And I think that's a really interesting perspective, especially for someone who's like, well, I'm back, back in tattooing. tattooing. Um, but it happened. Yeah. Things but I, begin. Yeah. And end. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's interesting, like, to look at Tatooine as the special world, um, thinking of everything that's kind of happened there as far as the Skywalkers go. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this as far as, like, Charlotte is petting her baby, her big baby. We have the squishmallows with us. And Charlotte just like reaches up and pets That's baby Yoda. Um, now I lost my train of thought because he's just like looking at us. Uh, we'll talk about that though. Yeah. So I think Tatooine is the special world is interesting, especially thinking about um, this being the Mandalorian actively looking for Jedi and the first place he's go first place he goes back to is Tatooine for information about the Jedi, which which is an interesting note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the big reveals in this episode because I'm We got to. Oh yeah, I know. I think the thing is is that they really set themselves up for like now a tradition of episode one in each season having like a big reveal. I mean episode one, uh, like chapter one was the biggest reveal ever and this one I mean I feel like it didn't really disappoint and I am surprised in saying that so let's start from the top 
<laughs> with Cobb Vanth. Um, I loved him in the old fan. I was so excited when this rumor happened because I was like, I love him. He's great. He's the best. <laughs> and I was like really down for him to be in it, but I didn't know how. And I think the inclusion of Cobb Vanth as a character who's from the, I believe the Aftermath series, um, or mentioned in Aftermath of someone who collected Boba Fett's armor. So here we have it in live action, which I just think is really cool. I think it's anytime we get any, um, any con- like continuity between the books and the TV shows or the movies, I think it just works really well in terms of the Star Wars universe and the story group in general. It makes me respect a lot of the decisions and makes it feel – it's hard to say this, but it makes it feel like it's worth it. You know, I think that yeah. it's, it's one story all around. And I feel like I didn't – I don't know much about Cobb Vanth. I don't think anyone did. It was like a small character role and a, and we a quick question. And we haven't read an Aftermath. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you said <laughs> we had, it. We had to say it. <laughs> yeah. So I I feel like, I don't know. I like the collector aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always great. Like when you're a fan who's looking into this stuff, even if you haven't, like us, haven't actually read Aftermath. It's just fun to see because it's like, why create a new, a brand new character when you have opportunities yes. from other mediums. Yes. And if it works for the story, of course, like to just pull in a character just because then you start getting like gratuitous cameos, mm-hmm. which is not always great. And, uh, and like there's an argument to be made for this episode having cameos, but I don't yeah. think that – I didn't hate it. <laughs> so – I know. I, I'm <laughs> reserving judgment. What was funny is like, okay, so like we're talking about Boba Fett, right? Which is the reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we saw the armor, I was like, okay, so this means like Boba's actually dead. And I was like, <laughs> no, it doesn't, Caitlin. It really doesn't. It actually means the Nothing. opposite. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how did the armor get out? <laughs> I was like, he spit it out. <laughs> Obviously. But I think I think it's really I I'm still intrigued. Do you guys know that we're not like Boba Fett people? I think like his um, legacy in Star Wars fandom as non-original trilogy people who were not alive. That's what I mean. When the original tri- trilogy came out, it was frustrating growing up of everyone being like Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and like just not buying into that hype because yeah. we weren't around. And it felt like there was so much hype around Boba Fett, and we we're always like. But why? But then, but then we have people like Dave Filoni who really fleshed out that story that was in uh, Attack of the Clones and the whole cl- like the clone aspect of it all. But I I think it's really interesting because it is another father son story if you really think about it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like back then, I we were both just so like no more Boba Fett. Like he was not that he didn't do anything. You know, like we were those people, and, and yet like, we were like putting on our Boba Fett jackets from her universe and we were like, this okay, is cool. Those jackets are <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah. Right? We're like, this, this is fun. We're like, but we were like, why is this, this look so, so good? good. <laughs> like, this looks great. Like, why do we love this jacket so much? And we're like, Boba are we Fett Boba Fett, Fett people? And, and we're like, Caleb was like, we're not Boba we're Fett people. people. <laughs> I was like, like, maybe we can be. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just Boba Fett jacket people. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I don't know. I think, uh, I'm very intrigued by his position in this story. And I never thought I would say that. I think like hearing rumors about Boba Fett for so long with this season, I was like, wow, I really hope they don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm here now. I saw it. And I'm, but it's so cool that it's Tamara Morrison, too. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I'm very glad about that because I think he's great. Also, like imagine if the reveal wasn't it's it's a bold move that they decided to do that reveal with no armor that they had Cobb Vanth have the armor and then him he doesn't have the armor at all it's just his face and you're supposed to be like oh my gosh I recognize that face yeah and it's you have to like if you're not someone who's like so entrenched in Star Wars fandom like we are who are like oh yeah Tamara Morrison would be Boba Fett right like it has to be yeah 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 um I feel like you're like, I have to think about that. Oh my gosh, that's Boba Fett because he looks like Jango Fett. He looks like all the clones, mm-hmm. which is – it's just refreshing also to have Tamara Morrison back in Star Wars because mm-hmm. I think for a while, like, it was interesting that he never lent his voice to the clones. Like, we have D. Bradley Baker, but we have Tamara Morrison now. And yeah, it's, he should be Boba Fett. So – so cool that we have like 
I don't know. It just it makes it feel more real. It also like makes it connect to the prequels to me. Yeah, it's it's really cool to have an actor from the second trilogy in the Mandalorian. Just <laughs> get on second trilogy, okay, Charlotte. Second, second just, trilogy. Just get on it, okay? Like, <laughs> okay. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of second trilogy love in this episode, which is really cool. I mean, we can go through the list because well, wait, I'm like... not I'm not talking about Boba Fett. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Okay, here's why I think the Boba Fett thing is interesting, all right? This episode had a ton of history in it, which, you know, is right up our alleys, very fascinating. I paused the TV when Amy Sedaris's character was like, thank the force. And I was like, <laughs> how? Caitlin paused it and she was like, how does she say that? And then Man- the Mandalorian doesn't know it's- what the force is. I it's a question you know like how does the mandalorian has never heard of the jedi he's like the child can move objects with its hands and it's like that's the force Force bro and then amy sedaris tattooing is like thank the force you know i just think again information transmittal in the galaxy is very fascinating and this is why i think boba fett is so interesting because the informant in the beginning told din to go to tatooine to find the mandalorian he finds uh the fake he finds the fake mandalorian but the real mandalorian is one who was there from the very beginning literally on kamino knows who the jedi are was entrenched with the dark side saw the fall of the republic also knows luke skywalker as a jedi very recently so i think that I think that's really interesting. And then, of course, knowing a lot of the things that Boba got into throughout the Clone Wars and um, we didn't see him in Rebels. <laughs> I was like, Rebels? I was like, no, we no. didn't see him in Rebels. But throughout the Clone Wars and just like his exposure to a lot of Force users, again, because like people like Din call these enemy sorcerers of the past. Like people like Din have no concept of who the Jedi are at all. Mm-hmm. Or someone like Boba has the like as opposed to any other Mandalorian that we know of, aside from like Sabine, of course, right? Um, but Boba has like a very intimate knowledge of Force users and the Jedi, and I think that's really interesting. And to pull like for him to pull like imagine like this Boba talking about something that happened in the Clone Wars show, like I think that's I think that's really intriguing and really cool. And like what is like what is going to be his perspective of the Jedi as someone who was involved with people like Sidious and Jango was involved with Sidious, but then the Jedi killed his father. Um he saw the fall of the Republic, he saw the rise of the Empire, he knows Darth Vader. Like I think it's all very interesting and like what now that he's outside of Return of the Jedi era, what is his opinion of all of that? Like, has time shown him that the Jedi were not wrong? Mm. Or has it increased his hatred of the Jedi to the point where, like, he would try to kill the child if they met? Oh, that's interesting. I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, and that's that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So. I think it's also interesting to think about how uh, – I think you said this. If you didn't say it during the podcast, you've said it this morning, that Boba's not a Mandalorian. But the yeah. whole idea of like the Mandalorians that is presented in the show is that it's not a race, it's a creed. But it was a race. Race, yeah. It's just interesting. Because yeah, it is. Could, he could still claim himself as a Mandalorian if he does take the creed. But the his oath, helmet but he is off. Yeah, his helmet is off, right? Yeah. So in which case, if that was so when when they eventually cross paths again, and this is what I said to Charlotte, I was like, all right, well, he's leaving Tatooine and we haven't met Boba yet. So either Boba's leaving Tatooine or we're coming back to Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> but is Din going to um what's the word? Approve of Boba because he's not wearing armor? Like you're not a Mandalorian. I like, want someone someone to call him out on that. I like, think he will. Yeah, me too. But what is what is he gonna say to Boba when Boba's like, I'm like I'm the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> like you oh, don't know me? I'm literally OG. <laughs> OG yeah. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah. Honestly. I want someone also I said I want him to I want him to call him out, but I also want someone to kind of question again, because we've already seen this, um, Din and his helmet wearing and how <laughs> All of that really works because mm-hmm. I want to see Pedro's face again. <laughs> Honestly, 
I thought it was funny that, you know, Din has finally accepted this like mission to find the child's family or like other species or the Jedi, you know, whatever. But as soon as he sees someone else like wearing Mandalorian armor that's not supposed to, he's like, let's pause the adventure <laughs> and let's restore honor to this armor. <laughs> it's so samurai. It, it is. It is. Yeah. And I think that it's really funny because after this episode, I mean, they're at a, a stalemate, really, like a pause. Mm-hmm. They didn't really find any new information. He thought that he was looking for a Mandalorian. Clearly, I mean, I don't think he needs to look for a Mandalorian. I think he should look for the Jedi. So it's interesting because like, even before we started, before we pressed play, we were like, okay, got to brace ourselves for the Tatooine-ness. Just have to go in with an open mind and like what's going to be here. And you brought up Luke and all these things about like w- what would happen if he actually traced Luke back to Tatooine and like some sort of like there was something that happened on this planet that had to do with the Jedi with the force but obviously that didn't happen but that doesn't mean it couldn't happen yeah or something similar couldn't happen and that'll be interesting to track too because I think there will also be once he does if he if the next step really is contacting the Mandalorians then the Mandalorians will be like, uh, you got to talk to the Jedi. Like, you got to figure out, like, what this is with the Force. We don't know anything about the Force, you know? If we know anything, it's just from the history. The songs, as they say. The so- they keep saying the songs. We watched After Eight last night, and it was like, the songs of the Siege of Mandalore. And they were like, the songs of the, I don't know, yeah. what they said in this episode. And it's like, wow, the songs. It's just so mythic. Yeah. Yeah, I think... It's very interesting because, like, you know, we're led to believe that Luke is the last Jedi in the original trilogy. Yeah. But he's not the last Force user. And so that whole concept and and knowing, like, throughout Rebels and then uh, that there are other Force users out there and different types of Force users is, like, there aren't any Jedi right now except for Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. or there are ex-Jedi, people like Kanan. And I don't know. I just – I think it's really interesting the idea that Boba even, like, knows where these people are. Has he has he been on Tatooine this whole time? If he was on Tatooine, well, I don't know. You know, I just – I don't know. <laughs> I just I, – I keep getting my timelines mixed up because what I was going to say, I was like, was he there when Obi-Wan was there? And I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> I literally There's have something to- about the Mandalorian that scrambles my brain in terms of the timeline. Literally. And, you know – we know Star Wars pretty well, you know, and I think that it's it's just it's interesting because we're like out here with like a pen and pa- paper last night trying to figure out when the Siege of Mandalore was and the Night of a Thousand Tears and just trying to keep it all straight with how it connects to Sabine Wren and the mm-hmm. weapons that she created and all of all of those kind of things. Just insane. I know. I I can't keep it straight. I'm like, <laughs> was Boba here in a new home? I'm like. No, no, he was out bobaing. Bobaing. <laughs> being Boba. He was being Boba. <laughs> I also can't remember this. Oh, now I'm, this is just coming into my brain right now. What was Boba Fett's relationship to Death Watch? In he joined Death Watch. Okay, and Death Watch took Din. Yeah. So does yeah. So does Din know Boba Fett? Does Boba know Din? Probably not, because he was a foundling. So it was like a little like baby you know what i mean like a little youngling foundling <laughs> i mean i'm sure like anakin skywalker doesn't know each youngling by their name you know i bet he did <laughs> yeah he's... actually he probably didn't, didn't. i don't he's think like, he did yes you <laughs> yeah like maybe if he had like a class or something yeah. but like he didn't and i think that it's just i don't know that's an option yeah, I think that Boba in this series could be very similar to, like, how I see Bill Organa. Like, I think Bill is a very cool character because he knows so many other characters. Like, he's yeah. kind of absorbed so much information as far as, like, he's one of the few people that actually knows uh, that, like, Leia is Anakin Skywalker's child. Um, does he know that's Vader? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But, like, that Padme actually died. Um he knows Ahsoka as Fulcrum. He knows Callus as Fulcrum. Like, there's just so many people that he knows. Like, he's an intersection point for a lot of different characters. And I think that Boba is very much the same way, actually, yeah. um, from what happened to him throughout the Clone Wars era um, and, and even throughout the original trilogy, too. So I think I'm I'm ready for more from Boba Fett. Me, too. It's so <laughs> weird. It's very weird. But, like, maybe this is what we needed. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is how the, we're going to, as fans, embrace the character of Boba Fett. 
And will we view him differently in Empire Strikes Back now? Maybe. Well, yeah. I think it's good to just be giving him more of a story in this era. Yeah. Like if you're going to. Um, yeah. Because on the one hand, you could look at like the armor that he's wearing. Like that would be just like a really – like, okay, there's Boba. <laughs> and it's like, oh, great, we recognize the armor. That could be like a little gimme. Yeah. But like what, at what cost? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point of yeah. it? Aside from it, like the character who's wearing it. Because you know? if we know anything about Dave Filoni's storytelling, right, those kind of things, he's not a big fan of them. They have to come back around. Mm-hmm. You know, cameos, I think, I don't know. I say that, but I know that he has put in cameos before but usually they're they're done with such diligence they're done with the idea that okay but that would be cool yes but how does that serve the story overall and Mm -hmm. those are the kind of questions that we need to be asking and i think that will be proving themselves throughout the season yeah yeah because i think that I think if – the thing is, is like, I can see John Favreau being – okay, number one, the ice cream maker was back in this episode, yeah, yeah. which if you watch Disney behind the scenes, Mandalorian, the gallery on Disney Plus, uh, I can't. Every time I'm So like, many names. Yeah. Uh, you, you never get it right either. I know. No, I don't. I'd say it a different way every time. Every time yeah. um, but in that series, John was like obsessed with the ice cream maker from Empire Strikes Back. So, of like, course, it's back. The deepest cut. And Dave Filoni was sitting there like, there's literally a parade of hundreds of people at Little celebration. It's yeah. not a deep cut. Yeah. John be like, tell him about the ice cream maker. Tell him about it. Tell him about it. <laughs> Like the deepest, <laughs> I'll I, never I, get over I, it. I, I yeah. And so I think that, like, I think now John's gonna be like, I have to put the ice cream maker in, in like, every this season. Deep cut again. Yeah, but it was cool. I mean, what was, was in that? Let's talk about that for a second. I mining. was surprised. Number one, I'm surprised that tattooing has a mining industry. I don't know why I didn't think about this, but like, of course they do. And the fact that slavery still exists, and it makes me think about like what Anakin and Shmi were doing as slaves before they came to Watto. Mm-hmm. And like perhaps there's like, – because that that whole part of canon, by the way, is like wide open. And yeah. ha- it has not been confirmed that Anakin was even born on Tatooine. I bet he wasn't. So like it's interesting to think about like his life as a slave, if we'll ever get that, and like what that entailed, including what happened on Tatooine and how he was sold because he talks about being sold to Gardula the Hutt. And yeah. now the Huts are gone. So I, I don't I, – I guess I naively thought – that like okay slavery is like kind of up in the air in Tatooine because the hut Jabba the Hutt died in Return of the Jedi along with all his like cronies that were with him right yeah and I think that that was naive to think that <laughs> honestly because it's not like they ended it in any way the, the anti-slavery laws of the old republic never reached there that was yeah. discussed in episode one and you all know that how I feel about like I think that I, I really wished that episode nine did something with that, did something yeah. about like freeing the slaves just because it was the the idea that is introduced in episode one. Um, so to see it here where it definitely like when the chips were down in term or the chips were up, I suppose, with um, yeah. with the Death Gal- Star too. Galactically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> with that flashback, which is really cool. I like that the Mandalorian does flashbacks, by the way. Yeah. I, I think that in the TV show format, that's great. But anyway, so seeing that flashback of the Death Star 2 bro- blowing up over and over and over again, which is so great. I love the fact that they showed it a bunch of times because that's exactly how it would be. It would be mm-hmm. like, you know, show me it again. Yeah. yeah let's it's celebrate. a replay. Yeah. And then, of course, right after that, the mining collective, they moved in overnight. But it's not even overnight. Honestly, it was like within that moment, they saw yeah. an opportunity where there was a power grab and they took over that this town which also helps with the Tatooine thing about like returning to Tatooine it was like this new town that we've never seen before yeah I really like the design of the town Moss Peglo Pelgo Pelgo Moss Pelgo Pelgo I think it was great to see just like a different part of Tatooine I enjoyed the design of it with these like it was like a shanty town an outpost um of these like very modular uh, houses like everything else we've seen in Tatooine like people are entering like from the ground level whereas here they're like all on platforms indicating that they could like be moved they were moved there it felt like more ramshackle it's obviously very small I really like the design of Mos Pelgo I think that slavery issue is one that is always in the background of Star Wars and 
it has yet to be like a main main story thread yeah and i think like you were saying that was something you really wanted to see in episode nine which would have been great um i mean every time a new canon when it's brought up it like isn't brought up enough for me like how disappointing it was it in it's just some padme novel spoilers here you know and they, that never came around in queen mm-hmm. shadow uh sabe went and basically did nothing about yeah. freeing the slaves and I suppose Padme was upset about that and she was really disappointed that she couldn't do that. Um, And I think that honestly in that story, it had an interesting perspective of like Padme shouldn't be this like the white savior narrative here of like going in from like a a very privileged stance and doing that. But then it's like, well, who will? Because it hasn't really brought up at all. Yeah. Been brought up at all. Yeah. I think Padme like even wanting, like bringing up that – that was something she wanted to do because she was like, slavery is outlawed. And Tatooine yeah. was like, it's not, not though. Like you don't even know. Yeah. yeah. And so like her going back, I think is good, but then like it does bring in all these other issues. But I think that the, like the refugee narrative in star Wars, like I think we've seen, we see it a lot in clone wars, honestly, of people like being like, we see the Zygerian slave arc, um, the, it's not the Wookiees, um, the arc where Ahsoka is captured and like, man, the Wookiees too. Yeah. Let's, the Wookiees. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Solo. Um, like, this arc is throughout a lot of Star Wars, but it is yet to be the main story. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, this – to have, like, a humanitarian kind of story in Star Wars of someone who, like, that's their story arc is, like, going to these different countries uh, – countries uh, – planets <laughs> and, like, helping people escape. And, like, that's the main story. It always seems that when there are escapes like this for people who have been captured and kidnapped, it's um, – it's just it's it's like a it's like our main characters on another mission and encounters these people who are enslaved and then as like a result of their efforts to finish their mission they end up also freeing the people that they're with and i don't know it's just you know that like there can't be like even today right like human trafficking still occurs uh, so like that's not the story of like well one and done in the galaxy yeah. and, like that's what george was saying in the second trilogy is that it didn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it would, it was good to see, not good, but it was interesting to see that like this power vacuum after the Death Star blew up in this town on Tatooine just left room for the next person on the f- top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of rumbling here, but I think it would be interesting to see like a strictly kind of humanitarian story from star wars about like even just like one planet yeah and um getting rid of slavery on right. one planet i, I think don't that would be cool i don't know if if the mandalorian is the place for that no but it, it could happen who knows who yeah. knows you know yeah okay let's talk about the crate dragon because i was really excited about this that so if i'm sure you know but in in a new hope the dragon, like the skeletal ger- dragon that C-3PO and R2-D2 go past is a crate dragon. And honestly, comparatively, that one must be, must have been super tiny. It was really tiny yeah. compared to this one, which um, some of our listeners have pointed out that it was uh, Dune-esque, yeah. um, which I think it totally was. Very worm-like. Um, more worm-like than I think a lot of people were expecting given the stories that we've had from the crate dragon in general. We also didn't see all of it though. I know we only saw the top really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I was getting a lot of Godzilla vibes from it and again knowing Dave Filoni and his love of Godzilla, it makes sense that the design would go this way. Like even the teeth were if you google Godzilla, you can see that the teeth all different sizes it just it worked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was properly scary. Man, Ilum did such a good job. It looked so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked really good. And I think the juxtaposition of the crate dragon with like the banthas that yeah, are yeah. like practical and on set, you can tell it's just it was seamless. And Charlotte and I the whole time were like, the banthas. And they were like, here's a bantha up for sacrifice. And we were, <laughs> we were like, like, no. no. <laughs> and it took the dusk and we were like, no. Oh, we're like, but Bantha. Bantha. <laughs> and the Bantha just like looks over <laughs> and he's like, ah. Yeah. Like, I think we fell in love with Banthas in this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we did too. I'm like, I guess I need a Bantha blush now. The Target one. <laughs> Still holding out. Alas. <laughs> yeah. I think we should talk a little bit about the, like the mythic vibe. You alluded to this in the beginning of the episode when we were talking about how 
this episode really did feel like a jumping back into a story that we're familiar with, but also jumping back into a storybook. And the way that they talk about things is pretty fairy tale esque. And I think that now we know from the behind the scenes nature, the way that the, these creators think about Star Wars is from this lens, this mythic lens, this fairy tale lens, this Joseph Campbell lens. Like it's undeniable because they spent a lot of time talking about it. And I think it's interesting to consider this through this lens of number one, let's just start it off here because we were talking about the dragon. So the Krayt dragon, we've talked about it on the show before, how a, a dragon, particularly in Revenge of the Sith and in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, can symbolize the ego, can symbolize the dark side building within. So it's interesting, of course, that these people band together, seemingly enemies, right, of like decades past band together and defeat the evil and some of our listeners even pointed out that uh the egg that is retrieved from like honestly like a pretty violent gruesome like i was not into that meat stuff like that was not they, great. they were like excavating meat yeah I, I mean i understand like i don't know it was just a lot for me i'm <laughs> as someone who like is really squeamish with blood i was like oh my gosh this is a lot. <laughs> like fork out like this. Like okay, all right, we don't this, need details. This, you know the the pearl s okay, egg to fork it out. Okay, that's a lot. I know, <laughs> but but basically, like I think we know that like the pearl within the oyster shell is or the clam. Now I'm like, it's, what an, is it? it's an oyster, oyster shell, right? It's an oyster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, got, I just got really confused. No, there's a pearl in a giant clam too. No, that's a Disney ride. <laughs> the clam. Okay, I don't know. I think I'm. I don't know. Whatever. I think maybe there there's like can, a, a treasure may, within maybe, a prize. Maybe like clams and oysters are like yeah. in the same family, so they right. can have both have pearls. Right. Yeah, I just think that it was like a it was a a prize at the end. It was yeah. it was interesting because we had the heroes in this instance. We have the Mandalorian going into the belly of the beast to slay the dragon, uh, which. Like, come on, they're <laughs> that's like the trope, you know. That yeah. is, uh, you know, Jonah and the whale. That is, um, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. That is Pinocchio. That yeah. is everything going inside, and uh, we didn't even see the inside of the the dragon. I'm, I'm glad actually, there's a lot of meat. <laughs> I mean, I guess we did see the inside, like, yeah. at the end of the day. But, <laughs> but I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't see him in there. But then he emerges, and obviously that's the only way that they slayed him. Like, everything else didn't work. Yeah. So pretty fascinating that we have the symbol of the feminine as the uh, as the reward at the end for the Tuscans, and then Mandalorian, like, and the baby go off on the swoop bike with the biggest chunk of filet mignon I have ever seen. Like, I guess he's going to, like cook it up freeze that yeah carbon freeze that and oh my god he probably is gonna carbon gonna, freeze like, it. it's like yeah it's like jerky it's gonna become jerky <laughs> he's That's like so you funny. gotta he's gonna he's gonna graduate baby yoda from bone broth to solids oh my god <laughs> he's growing up he's before growing our up. eyes so <laughs> yeah i thought it was um i definitely my first reaction was oh egg and then looking at it again like it is like round like a pearl so it's like is it a pearl is it an egg if it's an well, I think it's an egg, but uh the idea that like these like horrible monsters could have this like very beautiful, like actually if it is just a pearl inside of them, it's yeah. very interesting. And I think it's an egg. And I think that's interesting because if the Tuscans, right, that was part of the deal that like mm -hmm. the Tuscans get the crate dragon mm -hmm. after it's to like use it, obviously. And if the Tuscans hatch the egg <laughs> and they like Train a dragon train for themselves. A, train a crate dragon for That's themselves, badass. right? <laughs> and they could do it. Yeah, they could. <laughs> or if they're like the Jawas are going to eat it. But I think the other parallel here is in chapter two of last season yeah. where we're going against the mud horn. Yep. Mud yeah, horn. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing with the mud horn, right? We have baby Yoda in his little carrier. That's the egg that the Mandalorian is protecting. And uh, there's the egg that the mother is protecting too of the mud horn. And now we have this, I guess, female crate dragon who with is slain egg. with an egg while Mandalorian has his egg, who is back in an egg. The parent child. <laughs> yeah. Like physicality of it all. It just mm -hmm. keeps coming back as Star Wars as that is. But we, yeah. we keep having these kind of symbols and um, different 
types of, I don't know, ways that one can manifest like feminine, masculine, parent, yeah. child, like, you know, What's sad though is that like both of these like mothers have died, the yeah. creatures, the mudhorn and the great dragon. Yeah. I think it was, we were both when we were watching it, um, I think like the critique of this episode, if I had one, was that I wasn't really sure what Baby Yoda was doing. Yeah, I was, I think that we were both, I was like, they need to, nothing is working when they were working at doing yeah. the bombs and everything. And it actually reminded me of a couple episodes in Star Wars Resistance that really, if you remember, if you've listened to our recaps of those, I was not a fan of just because I felt like we were ki- – like there was, an, there was an episode in season two where they were killing a creature just for the sake of killing it in order to slay it. But it didn't really come off to me as a mythic slaying. Like a, yeah. this or needs to happen. A necessary yeah. slaying in order for – like. In, in this episode of The Mandalorian, I think I understand that these, you know, warring people coming together to de- defeat a common enemy actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But in in the Resistance show, it didn't really – I don't know. It didn't it didn't work for me and um, because it felt really cruel. And the way that we watch that creature die in Resistance, you're sympathetic, but you're also questioning as to why. And it was just like the horrors of war and like why they needed to do this. And it just – it didn't really come off to me as yeah, like a the, strong lesson. The crew came off in a negative light in exactly, Resistance. Exactly. And I don't think that's happened in this one, but I was still like, okay, I don't think that violence is the answer here. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it ended up being the answer. And I thought that maybe it was going to be – I don't know. There was something great about the fact that um, the villagers and the Tuscan Raiders and the Mandalorian all came together, and I thought that maybe that was going to be there was going to come out on the other side with another like, way, an ally. With yeah, the great dragon. because then Baby Yoda was just like chilling the entire time, and it was like, well, the last time I guess it, it, they couldn't do like another repeat of the Mudhorn situation because maybe and maybe if the Mandalorian like was in the belly for longer, we would have seen baby yoda like do something because that's the he knows, yeah, yeah he knows but i really did think that magic was the only answer not bombs and violence and everything like that but i i was wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think if we're looking at like a spectrum of how creatures are treated like larger than life creatures in star wars it's usually not great mm-hmm. what i think is interesting is that like this has the big uh, obviously, like you were saying, a visual parallel to Godzilla. And then, of course, the other big parallel is the Zillow Beast in Clone Wars. Yep. And Dave Filoni is a huge Godzilla fan. So back in Clone Wars, he – like the Zillow Beast episode was his episode. Like yeah. when I, I think that's what? Season two? Season three? Yeah, it's, it's very early. early. It's early. And it was one of the first ones that Dave was like, let's do a Godzilla episode. And that one is so empathetic and sympathetic. It is. Like it, it really – even though, like, spoilers, the Zillow Beast dies in the end. It's tragic. It, yeah, like, you you cry. Like, yeah. it's a rough episode, and the sympathy is definitely there for the creature. And that's the most sympathetic we've had to creatures, I think, like, if we're looking at things on a spectrum. And uh, I th- yeah, I think I would say that and when Rey heals the, the, the snake in, in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, mm-hmm. And I think just, like, the healing aspect of that is – I don't know why I thought that was like something similar was going to happen here. I think I mean the thing. The point is, is that like the camera direction they were looking at Baby Yoda so much. Yeah. And you said this <laughs> when uh, the Mandalorian grabs his uh, large blaster. <laughs> that thing I don't remember what it's, it's really long. Yeah, it's like a staff <laughs> blaster. Yeah, like anyway. Um, and he grabs. Like he wanted it. to say wanting to say Vince because like that's what in in the Phantom Menace Anakin is like. Saboba flashed me with his Vince. I don't know why. That's like a line that remains in my head. It's not a Vince. Yeah. Uh, But when he grabs the Vince after the like initial bombs don't work and when he grabs the Vince and the initial bombs don't work, the shot goes from him grabbing that weapon to pausing on Baby Yoda. And you said when we were watching it, oh, that's because he grabbed the weapon, which isn't what he needs. What he needs is the child and sympathy and like empathy or like yeah. another way or something like that. It didn't and that happen. was, yeah, that wasn't true. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it won't happen later. I think that this is the beginning of, we didn't touch on this yet, but something that we had predicted was, and it, this isn't a hard prediction at all, but if you think about the hero's journey in terms of like acts, um, the, yeah. we're definitely entering act two and we're beginning with trials, allies and enemies. 
And I think that it's really interesting because the moment we saw the cave where the the dragon lives, I was like, oh my God, are we going in the cave? Wow, a cave. You know, you know <laughs> yeah. how it is. When we when you see a cave caves in Star and, Wars. Caves and water. Yeah. When you see a cave in Star Wars, it's like, oh my gosh, the truth's going to come out. But of course, they don't go in the cave. Usually after the trials and allies and enemies section, you enter the cave. And we, ha- we got a glimpse of it. So it's fun to think about it as foreshadowing because I think we think that something like that is going to happen. Perhaps they go to Ilum as as shown in the trailers. So very exciting Well, a stuff. planet that could be Ilum yeah, in the knows? trailers. Yeah, I see. Regardless, it looks although, like a, a, although, a weird forcey cave. I know. Well, you know how it's like we can't assume that every sand planet is Tatooine, but, like, but it's like it's usually Tatooine, Tatooine. now. So I'm going to say that it's Ilum until yeah. proven otherwise right. because it looks like that planet. So – so <laughs> it could be that planet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about let's talk about the C, the second trilogy. Okay, the second trilogy. If the, you're not aware, this is your first time listening. Caitlin refers to the prequel trilogy as the second trilogy <laughs> because that is actually how George Lucas refers to it. So she's trying to get everyone on this camp I, of <laughs> of second trilogy. And you know what? I love it. I love her steadfastness. <laughs> she is she is really. But I am a slow adopter. It's been a year. It's been like two years. <laughs> it's been two years. <laughs> Every time I say it, and then two sentences later, Charlie goes, the prequel, prequel trilogy. trilogy. <laughs> I was like, I'm just always worried that like no one knows. Stake of defiance <laughs> against me, her co host, who's over here really trying. <laughs> okay, anyway, there was a lot of second trilogy love in this episode, which is so great to see. Mm. It's always so fun. I mean, we have Cobb and his pod racer swoop bike thing. Yeah. There's a lot of people online saying that's Anakin's pod racer thing, and I don't know if I see it because of the coloring, but I wouldn't be surprised. It would be interesting if that was, like, so prized, you know, after Anakin left Tatooine. I don't think we'll ever get that story, but it, it's fun to think about. No. Yeah. I think they probably. I think Watto probably sold it. Sold it. Yeah, for, he, he yeah. needed to. And he was like, <laughs> he won the pod race, and they yes. sold it, and now it's just been divided. Yeah, up. totally, totally. And then we obviously saw the return of the Pitroids, which are just so they're fun. fun. They're fun. Yeah, they're so fun. They're fun. Yeah, and um, then the Tuscan Raiders dogs, uh, which I didn't even pick this up. I just saw it on the internet that those. I f- totally forgot that. The scenes in Attack of the Clones when Anakin slaughters the Tusken Raiders that, like, in the foreground, there's always those dogs that are, like, fighting over the bone. Yeah. And I think Anakin actually kills them, too. Probably. Yeah. And I not just the men, but, but the, the women, women and the children, children and, the, dogs, and the dogs, too. The which creatures. is so sad. It, it is. Yeah. But I thought that scene – we haven't even talked about this. I thought the scene of uh, Din, like – using the Tuscan language to calm down the dogs was really surprising. We were like, mm-hmm. what is happening? I was like, is he Ezra? Tra- yeah, we were like, what is going on? And I was kind of floored by it because I think yeah. that just the it's just the best thing ever that Din has clearly spent a lot of time with the Tuscans, which is really interesting. He actually said that he spent some time on Tatooine, which is means that he was there before we saw him there. Like how For much his job. Yeah, who knows? But like how did he learn that language? That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, he knew it with the last season when we yeah. got there. So That's what I mean. It's yeah. like there's and he has spent a lot of time there, but he didn't know about that place. So it's just interesting. And I anytime that this can be brought up with that the Tuscans can be reasoned with through language and getting on their level is just like a really, really great move. Well, it's not even reasoned with. It's no. just communicating. Communicating. Yeah. And yeah, it's not reasoned with. I shouldn't say that. It's talk to like a being. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not just have this assumption and this predisposition that these are bad people, which yeah. they are raiders. And yeah. the Mandalorian is like, yeah, they raid you. <laughs> but <laughs> so, like you can talk to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and barter. Yeah, exactly. And if you set up a, a truce or a relationship, that's better than, than being me. raided. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, they've been there – you know, the metaphor is there, of course, of right. indigenous and like first peoples and stuff like that. And that I think metaphor was very prevalent in this episode, especially especially having a very Western town with the marshal. Historically, the marshal was there to protect these outpost towns from, you know, indigenous people, you know, quote unquote, attacking them when mm-hmm. – that outpost moved into their right. land, it's like, you it's, know? <laughs> this is a, a common story in yeah. Westerns. It might not even be a common story. It's usually the story. Yeah. And I 
I don't know. It's cool to see it in Star Wars. It's cool to see their spin on it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, last season we were like, it's going to be a Western. Yeah. And then this was like, this is a Western. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the abandoned town. Yeah. The, the, the Marshall. Marshall. The fact that he's called the Marshall. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that they mentioned in the world of, if you guys remember when Last Jedi came out, one of the critiques of Last Jedi, like the random nitpicky critiques which honestly i partook in yeah uh was about their use of dialogue and creatures that were in the real world mm-hmm. um like snake was the big one yeah like you're a snake murder or, snake murder snake yeah and everyone was like are there snakes in star wars and i said that too and, and i was like yeah there are actually <laughs> it's like all right fine. let me show you these in um, dagobah <laughs> <laughs> i was like all oh, right yeah <laughs> but you like when characters say something that just sounds so like our world, yeah. it it almost stands out in a weird way. But the uh, Marshall did say Leviathan in this yeah. episode, which was a very interesting call out. So it's a sea serpent from Jewish mythology and referenced in a couple of different books in the Bible. So yeah, and I think the comparison of the Leviathan to the Crate Dragon is interesting. And that is, I think that's maybe the most direct religious symbol we've had referenced in star wars like by name like that yeah it's it does harken back to like the thoughts of like you know the the concept of like the white whale like you can't get rid of it you can't find it you can't do anything about it you know um moby dick and i feel like it's it's just really interesting um when that is brought in it makes you that kind of language makes me pause and think about symbolism and think about what was the purpose of including that in a script? I think I think Star Wars scripts are very intentional. And I think that they, particularly I think The Last Jedi is like maybe the tightest script that exists, I, I exists in, <laughs> in Star Wars. So I think that like some of the lines can be argued against or for, you know, very mm-hmm. strongly because I think that Ryan really committed to the actionable writing of that. And I think that with The Mandalorian – um, it may be less so with John Favreau's episodes and more so with like Dave Filoni's episodes. I know that that's maybe unkind to John Favreau, but I do think that um things are very intentional. And I they, think John Favreau's like ice cream maker, yeah, well, and Dave know. is like Leviathan. I don't think so though. Like it's hard because I think that John Favreau. I go back and forth. You all know if you if you're on our Patreon and you've listened to our behind the scenes it's discussions, such a, a we journey. Have, we have <laughs> John Favreau. It's, it's been a journey because I think he is a, a creative genius. You can't yeah. look at his body of work and be like, oh my god, he is so talented, and he does so many different genres, different yeah. things, and. I think that he is so well uh, versed in film language, yeah, and uh, and process of filmmaking, yeah. And I think that that all goes into building a Star Wars movie is to understand all these different influences and incorporate them all into one story. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of that line of thinking, I'm like, yes, the inclusion of the word Leviathan is very purposeful. We're supposed to think about this this way. Mm -hmm. And yes, that is an apt comparison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked this episode. (laughs) The more I sit with it, the more I'm like, after it ended, it was one of those experiences, which actually is great to have with Star Wars. And I, I wanted a little bit more where you're like, that was fun. It went by really fast, by the way. The 52 yeah. minutes went by super fast. I was I, – I don't know. I was like, that was fun. It gave me a lot to think about. It gave me a lot to be excited for. Like, cannot wait for next Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think that it, it – it, after it ended, it was like, did I like that? Did I like where this is going? Yeah. Personally, I do wish that um, some of these reveals were not spoiled for me because can you imagine if – I mean, obviously, I wasn't spoiled to this episode, like whether yeah. or not it was in this episode. But the rumors of Boba coming back, the rumors of Timothy Oliphant have been out there for a long time. A long time. And again, love Timothy Oliphant, so I was not mad at that. <laughs> love that. <laughs> but I, I think that it would have been nice if these reveals happened now. I mean, it was just such a joy to see Baby Yoda. I think that there's were rumors about um, the Mandalorian being a story of a man and a child and the protection of it and like that was the bounty and everything but 
you know, I don't think we I, we knew it was a Yoda baby. So <laughs> Yoda baby. If if I can think about it through that lens, it was really cool to see it all pay off here and yeah. to see how it all comes together. And in that sense, I actually really liked it. Out of context, it's it's hard to imagine how these like the inclusion and uh, of Boba Fett into the story could be seen as anything other than fan service. But I actually think that it will serve the story. I think it will too for a lot of the reasons I talked about earlier. I think The Mandalorian is so interesting because it's not at all what I expected it from like the show in general. And I think, you know, I think we were all expecting it to be more hardcore when it's really not. Like it's... Oh, it's not. It's so soft. It's very soft. This is probably the most violence I've experienced and because of really just like the, the meat. Yeah. I was like, this is so much. The excavation. Yeah, the excavation. I was like, this is so violent. And I feel like it is, um, it has defied a lot of my thoughts about what this show was going to be. It was so marketed as super hardcore. And it's not, it is hardcore. Don't get me wrong. But it's also really soft. Yeah, I think I expected it to be a lot more hardcore than it actually is. And I know that last season was way more episodic than Mm -hmm. I expected it to be. And that was one of my critiques of it. And I think the season as a whole stands up a lot better now that you have the whole thing. But it is very episodic and like almost mission of the week yeah. uh, style. And I thought that we might be steering away from that this season. But this episode was very mission of the week yeah. style. And so I'm interested to see like now that the Mandalorian has accepted this call to find ba- where Baby Yoda comes from, find who he belongs to, or at least like start that process. How are we still going to be doing these like missions of the week? Is it going, are we going to have more of these like bigger arcs with this story of like searching? Um, That's like, is that bigger arc going to be more of a main story? Because I don't think it was last season. Um, But I think now that he has accepted the call and like the end of season one was like him becoming the clan of two. I think it's a very different meaning now this season. So I'm interested to see how how the how and if the formatting changes of these episodes because every episode has been kind of wrapped up at the end yeah. of it. You know, there haven't been a lot of like super loose strings mm-hmm. of like the main plot of the episode that isn't resolved by the end of it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's still going to be the case this season. I kind of think it might be just because the way that it's set up of like chapters and because, like, some of these story beats are kind of, like, almost by the book. Yeah. Um, like I said, like, at the beginning with the two people are going to come together. The mm-hmm. enemy of the enemy is my friend. And um, we've seen this story before. And it's fun to see it in Star Wars and, and to be on be in a new place on Tatooine, too. I yeah. think I really like Moss Peglo. Pelgo. Pelgo. <laughs> you were going to say it wrong. <laughs> I really like Moss Pelgo. I think – like I said, I I'm, I really like the design of it, how it does look so different from the other places we've seen in, in on Tatooine. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see – I'm very intrigued by Boba Fett, guys. Like I said, him as, like, this intersection for a lot of different characters and time periods in Star Wars is really fascinating. And I'm excited to see the kind of dialogue that he is given, especially – when we have characters like Amy Sedaris being like, you shall take this speeder bike on your adventure. And I have not passed the city walls in many years, yeah. like many suns, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that, you know, very, very storybook. And I'm interested to see what that dialogue looks like with Boba as well. Right. It's so great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say? Do we think we're going to see Cobb Vanth again? I'm okay to not see Cobb Vanth again. Yeah. Charlotte just wants to see Timothy. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see him again. I think he like his town is happy. Yeah, I know his story has been resolved. He he rode off into the sunset back to yeah he did little town his cute little town. Oh my god, I would not want to live there though. They're very happy now. Yeah, they can. (laughs) The thing is, they can. They can. Okay, this is the thing though. It's like the way that those um those look like those homesteads were set up right right of like mobile. Mm Uh, and they were, like, rebuilding the decks and stuff mm-hmm. after the crate dragon came through. Uh, and now they won't have to do that. So they can put down, in a way, more substantial stakes into yeah. that place. So they'll put it they'll put it back on the map. Dang. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the other se- uh, second trilogy kind of call out, the whole thing with the map in the beginning of the planet with Amy Sedaris and the Mandalorian – 
was very much Attack of the Clones, too. Yeah. If it's not on the map, yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Like, I, I, was, I was waiting for the child to be like, there it is. <laughs> just, like, point to it. <laughs> it is interesting just – I know you said this before, but I just want to kind of hammer it home that I wouldn't say that the child was, like, overused here for cuteness. They totally could have done that for season two. I was really waiting for that. And I don't – I'm not saying that, like, this is the end-all be-all of that. But, I mean – yeah. Out of universe, Baby Yoda is like the most popular thing in Star Wars right now, and yeah. they could have really hammed it up. Yeah, and they, they didn't. Have. They really didn't. There was really no like cute moment between Din and Baby Yoda. There was really no like. I guess yeah. the, the showstopper moment was shown in the in the trailer. So yeah. I don't know having him hide inside the pod. That's what was, I mean. Like, that so was the, that was the showstopper moment. Not the pod. The pod. Oh, the pod. Oh yeah, that and was so cute like, when he like, got on the floor and then he was like, yeah. And he like crawled inside of it. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> so cute. And I think people online too were saying like, it's just so sweet how Baby Yoda likes to go fast on yeah. stuff. They always show him when they're like driving, like a dog with his head out the window, like, like yay, because <laughs> his ears Here flopping. <laughs> oh, I love him. I know it's fun. Okay, well, I think that is going to wrap up our episode for The Mandalorian. Chapter 9, The Marshal. Chapter 10 is next week. Double digits. <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this show and you are enjoying The Mandalorian if you're watching it so far. We had a good time. We'll be back next week. Um, if you want to follow us online, you can head on over to our Twitter at SkytalkersPod. You can follow me on my personal handle at Caitlin Plusher or Charlotte's, which is at Clarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us, find us wherever you'd like. And if you haven't left us, a, left us a review on iTunes yet, it would be a really big help if you did that. It helps other people find our show and join in on the conversation. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also check out our Patreon and our rewards tiers there. Oh my gosh, we didn't even mention this. We got our new logo. Oh my God. I can't believe we didn't mention this. Is this the first episode? Yeah. This is the first. We got a new logo. logo. What do you guys think? (laughs) We love it. We're We're, so thrilled. Um, We worked with an amazing artist, Audrey Estock, who is just so unbelievably talented and really reimagined our logo. We didn't want to completely reinvent. We wanted to have a refresh, something new, honestly, for the Mandalorian season. And it was about time that we updated our logo and we're just so thrilled by it. So I hope that you all like it too. We are so excited. There's the new logo. And then if you're not following us on Twitter, you should at least go look at our profile (laughs) because she also, Audrey also did an incredible new banner for us on our Twitter page, which is just wow. It, it, It combines all three trilogies in the animation department into one banner uh which that's that's what we hope is our brand yeah (laughs) we like to talk about all eras and aspects of star wars and the combination of it with our you know death star logo it just it's perfect and we're really excited and i hope you guys uh like it too yeah and if you don't please don't tell us because we really like it (laughs) (laughs) i also want to say a huge thank you to these patrons Sarah, Dylan, Erica, Aaron, Demi, Hunter, Timothy, Ashley, Albert, Josh, Eunice, Matt, and Debo. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Mm